This is Bumping Into, where we have interesting conversations with people from all walks of life. Australia and the Easy Beats are riding a wave of popularity to rival the Beatles, one of the first Australian pop rock bands to make it big with all original songs. Then they went global with this. Monday morning feels so bad. Everybody seems to nag me. Coming Tuesday, I feel better Even my old man looks good Wednesday just don't go Thursday goes too slow So bumping into, and I am your host, Francis Populin, and this episode is all about the unknown story around the worldwide hit Friday on My Mind by Australian group The Easy Beats. My guest is iconic 1960s hitmaker and producer Shell Tellme. Shell has worked with the likes of The Beach Boys, Jimmy Page, and was responsible for producing hits with The Kinks, You Really Got Me, and The Who's Talking About My Generation. Shell was asked to produce a hit with the Easy Beats while they were living in England. It was the first time that Ted Elbert had stepped away from producing and mixing the band. And not only did it create a hit, his advice and instructions around the songwriting structure gave way to the famous Vander and Young songwriting team. But it wasn't all as straightforward as it seems. This is Shell's story about the lead-up and then what happened as soon as he got the band, the number one hit they wanted. It's Shell's insight into a behind-the-scenes, I guess you could say, of the Friday On My Mind hit. Settle in for a great story with my guest, Shell Tell Me. Hello. Shell, it's Francis from Bumping Into. Thanks very much for, uh, for being free to come on the show. No problem. I might even like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you do. I hope you do. I thought before we get started into to the, I suppose the Friday on my mind story, um, and I know that you've done a lot. Uh, you've done other podcasts, and, and I'm sure you're probably sick of telling the same story about yourself over and over again. But um, you're obviously a key figure of the 1960s sound. Um, but I wanted to, to go into how you ended yeah. up leaving America and heading over to, to the UK. Because I was working for an English guy as an engineer in L.A. who kept telling me how wonderful England is. So I said, fine, I'm going to take five weeks off and go and check it out and see some of Europe because I was early 20s. And um, I went over. I thought it would be nice if I could work a couple of weeks while I was there because I didn't have much bread. And uh, my friend, who was Nick Benet, who was uh, Capitol Records in uh, A&R, I told him I was going and I was going to try and get some work. And he said, here, take a couple of my acid dates and tell him you did them. 
because I hadn't really done much of anything except engineering. And uh, I got over there, got an appointment through somebody else I knew at DECA, and uh, said pretty much this is what I've just done, and gave him the two essays, which were Blue Rolls and the Beach Boys. And um, he said, good, you start today. So uh, by the time they found out it was all a lot of crap, I already had a hit. And <laughs> stayed for the next 17 years. And yeah, when you were over there, were you the... Were you the guy that was discovering all this new talent and, and channeling them through, or were they beating down your door um, to, to come and work with you, or is it a combination of both? It was kind of a combination. Well, it started out after I, I had to go. Well, actually, Becca gave me a band to work with first, which was The Bachelors with three harmonica uh, players, and I think maybe they were testing because uh, I teach them how to sing. And the um, first thing I did was Charmaine, which is a big hit with them. So, you know, once I had that, it got a lot easier. Wow. And, I mean, it would have obviously been an exciting time. One will, will never see the likes of again. Uh, you know, I'm assuming with you had so much talent coming through and there would have been so much change that the sound would have been changing, the attitudes would have been changing, and even the technology would have been changing so fast at that time. Well, yeah, no no question. We're pretty much everybody was breaking new ground. Yes, that's true. <clears throat> and the fortune, at least for me, I had a my background of engineering uh, here in L.A. and uh, brought stuff with me that I was doing nobody else was doing, including using 12 mics on drums, which nobody was doing. Everybody started doing it after I proved it could be done. So, uh, uh, it was a, a good time to try new stuff and break new ground, and uh, it was made it a lot more fun that way. Because I was going to ask you about that that twelve mic story, because obviously you know you got told you can't you can't do that, um, and you had done it before, and it, then it set a benchmark. the The sound difference must have been astronomical to go from the conventional way to the the way that you broke ground, it, you know, must have been a huge leap, one of those leaps that occurs that becomes a game-changing leap. And obviously everyone benefits, the bands benefit, the fans benefit. But um, but th- it's amazing that, you know, with so much music happening over in England at the time, um, no one no one else had, had thought of it. And then you had to sort of prove your case. Well, they didn't, I, I'm assuming they didn't think it could be done. And since I had some free time at the studio, <clears throat> I worked at proving that it could be done. And once it did, um, I guess everybody started, decided to pick up on it because I was after having total control over the drum set, which we didn't have because at that time, there, so everybody was using like three or four mics maximum on the whole set, and it wasn't really good enough. Yeah, and, and obviously you would have, I mean, when... That that sixties sound is is something that you're defined with, but I'm assuming that your career in in the recording industry pushed past that sixties point, and you and you were flowing onwards into the seventies and and onwards and after. Is that is that right? Um, I, I'm I think I got what you say. You say. Uh, did I carry on for as long as I carried on because I wanted to, or well, um, and well, then ease off? Yeah, that's probably the answer. That, if that's what you. That's what I think you're saying. That's the case. Yeah. Yeah, and when when did you end up? 
you know, retiring or finishing up in the industry? Well, well, well I haven't retired. I'm still doing it. Um, oh. I got tired and uh, of being, I, I've spent too much, I've spent tons of time in the studio, recorded an awful lot of stuff. I took time off and did a whole bunch of other things. And then got tired of that and went back into uh, into the, doing what I was doing, uh, what, right. I, what I'm still doing. Wow. Oh, geez, that's that's great. Especially if you're doing what you love, it's there's no better way to do it. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's now fun again, and uh, I'm actually uh, uh, I've gotten very busy being in the studio. So you know that's uh, which is uh, nice again, and technology obviously is way tons better. Yeah. So uh, makes the, the whole practice of. Uh, Recording a band or recording anybody a hell of a lot easier. And your thoughts on the current trend? I mean, back, uh, you know, when it all started, it was get everyone in the room, have the energy of the room, the character of the people, and then, you know, you'd play and they'd play for all hours to get that sound. These days, it seems to be you send a tape. Well, it's not a tape anymore, but you send a file and then the singer comes in and does his bit on his own and the, and the drummer does their bit on their own. Surely you cannot get that same feeling by the modern style of isolated recording of tracks compared to having everyone together. Oh, no, you're talking about uh, recording one person at a time. Yeah. I, I have never done that. I will. I will never. I will never do that. Um, it's uh, soulless. It's yeah. uh, dry. It is uh, anything in the way of is down the toilet. Yes. So, yeah. No, I will never do that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, well, let's jump into the Easy Beat story. Um, the, the, obviously, okay. the Easy Beats are, you know, in a famous Australian band and, and sort of one of the very first big bands that we had back here <clears> in the <throat> 60s. And how, how did you come to be involved? I know that they were, there's a movie that came out a couple of years ago in Australia called Friday on My Mind, which was, Obviously, yeah, yeah, I know. I heard about it. And I heard somebody portrayed me smoking cigars and all that kind of crap, which I never <laughs> do. I've never done, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, I know. I, I never even bothered to try and see it. If that's a distraction. How they how they came about? Very simple. Mike Vaughn, who was I'm not sure what you'd call him. I thought he was the manager. Yeah. Um, came to me. And uh, the story, as I got it, was that Ted Albert brought him to London and, uh, uh, quote-unquote, produced a couple of free tracks with them for, I guess it was UA, and they apparently were bad enough, so they removed him from producing. And... uh, so Mike Vaughn came, and he was several uh, people recommended he come and see me. So I heard the band; I liked them a lot. I met them, and um, I said, "Yeah, okay, I'll do them." And uh, I think fairly well, fairly well known that uh, I did not particularly care for the songs that they had written at that point. I didn't think there were, I didn't think it was a hit song in it. Yeah. And I said, "Please go away." write songs, come and see me once a week and play me what you've written. And that went on for, um, I think, about six 
weeks when they came in and played Friday in my mind. I said, stop, that's the song we're doing. And uh, I think that took me about four bars. Uh, and um, we went in and did it. You know, the rest is, is, I guess they say, is history. I can only assume that Ted Albert wouldn't have been too happy with being told um, that he's lost that, you know, but he's not basically... I think he was... Uh, I think the word would be pissed off that <laughs> I had replaced him and uh, and that I had success where he didn't, and which is obviously getting to the point of what we're talking about here is why he never paid me a penny and told me to sue him. So um, I'm still very unhappy about all that. I've never gotten a penny for doing that in my mind. You know, he seemed to have a personal issue with yourself when you were asked to do that job, and you did the job, and you produced a hit. You know, it's it's quite odd that he took it upon himself uh, well, to be angry with I, you. I, I I would have thought that he'd be pleased, and, yeah. and and the mistake I made was making the deal, or rather the contract, with him personally. I I I, I would after that I would never did that again. I have to do it either the label or nobody. Yeah. Um, because um, he basically uh, screwed me, and um, uh, and I'm still, as I said, I'm I'm still unhappy about it. It rankles a lot. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And and the yeah. fact that he was part of a a large, well-known publishing company with tons of bread, and they didn't have the good grace to honor what he was supposed to pay me, and pay me. They say they they never. I tried to get in touch with them. They never acknowledged it, and uh, and I've not been paid a penny. So yeah, um, I'm still unhappy about it. Albeit it's still it's many years, but what the hell? Yeah, you know, for sure, for sure. I, I can still hold a grudge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, according to Snowy, the drummer, um, you know, he he's in a documentary or a little a couple of little clips where he says that um, that you had suggested that perhaps. Um, George and Harry take over the writing duties, and and obviously that then led to um, what became in itself a very famous partnership in Australia with the Vander and Young songwriting partnership. Um, is that true that you made yeah. that suggestion? Yeah, I did. Wow. And, um, and 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 as far as ACDC is concerned, I kind of wish they'd asked me to do them. That would have been nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <But> they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they, they those two guys wrote a lot of songs. You know, they they had a lot of success from that point for for decades. They were they were sort of doing a lot of work. Um, so it's yeah. quite amazing that that's it all stems back to how important Friday on my mind obviously was in in creating a hit, but also in shaping the future yeah. of of that team. Yeah, no, it's I, I certainly agree that that is correct and um, that uh, they certainly worked well together and I'm aware that side in my mind I believe was voted as the greatest rock and roll record by an Australian band ever or something to that effect yeah yep. and um, which is which is nice you know I'm very pleased about that I'm still just pleased about not being paid for it but yeah <laughs> and you know what's interesting is if you if you listen to their work, um, the Easy Beats work, uh, there is a very clear distinction in a, in a sound difference from like when they were doing their earlier stuff. You know, she's so fine and sorry, 
And then when you produced Friday on My Mind, it really was a big step up. It instantly sounded international. Um, you know, it, it just, I suppose, everything lined up. It, you, could, you could tell it was going to be, I mean, it was number one in Australia, top 10 in um, the U, U, UK, top 20 in the US. Um, you yes, know, absolutely. Was no, it was in the charts everywhere, I'm aware of that. Yeah. Um, so, so, some uh, music guy back in the day when all that happened, I found out about the story, said the major difference is that I could produce and Albert couldn't. So uh, I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think if, if the guys had, because after that song, they, uh, yeah, what? Well, they sort of well, I jumped. did an album with them after I did an LP with them after the song, you know. Oh, and, I didn't know uh, that. there's some very good there's some very good tracks on the LP. And it's called Friday in My Mind, I believe, or just Friday. Right, okay, okay. Is do you think they had more if they had stuck with yourself, because after you they seemed to jump around a bit. There was they were sort of jumping from I suppose, I don't know, management pushing them into one direction and then changing the, the direction again. If they'd stuck with right. you, do you see more hits that they could have gone on to sustain, you know, uh, more international grade hits? I'm as sure as I can be that I would have produced more hits with them uh, over a longer period of time and that they would have been even more well-known than they are. But that's my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it ended, you know, 1969, that was all over between, I suppose. Yeah, right. You know, uh, drug issues that most bands seem to come undone with and and management issues and, uh, you know, poor management. Yeah, oh, that's right. I know about that. I believe uh, Steve... uh, had he overdosed or he had a major drug issue, I believe, yeah. and died. And um, uh, the rest, you know, I, I never involved myself with what they did when we weren't recording. And I have no idea who did what or what they imbibed because it was not, it was not my problem. Yeah, that's um, right. You were there to do all your I job. I was concerned about was making good records. And it's interesting, I saw a, uh, this guitarist who was, there's an English guitarist talking about that song, and he he said that that a lot of people, on the surface it just seems like a pop rock song, he said, but it was actually far more progressive um, than a lot of other songs at the time, and it was quite clever, and it was more complicated, it wasn't the same three chords going round and round, the way the lyrics came in, it it was very intelligently created. Well, I, the, the whole point was to, because I, I said, I, when I first heard it, I loved what I heard. And I said, um, I thought it was a hit immediately when I heard it. And uh, I, I, I did what I do, which is produce the record to my best ability. And it turned out it was um, good enough to become a worldwide hit, which is nice. Yeah, well, no, look, and, and, and I'm sure the, the world thanks you for that too, because it brought the Easy Beats fame you know, everywhere else, and uh, and it's still a great song. It's been covered by Bruce Springsteen, Gary Moore. Um, you know, it's still a, a, yep. a it's still a love song. Um, it's so yep. you did I, a great I don't job. think either one of them is good. I don't think any of them are as good as 
what the easy bit. <laughs> I, I agree, and I don't mind a cover. I, 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 I don't mind a modern version that gets a bit more rocky and, and fattened up in the sound, but I do agree with you on that one, that, that um, I think that one there just nailed it. It was every all the stars lined up at the right time. Well, it gets you instantly from the first few seconds with that the guitar riff, and um, uh, once that happens and the rest of it unfolds, it, it's either going to endear itself, which it did to an enormous number of people, or it's going to not register. Fortunately for me, it did register, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got to ask you, out of all the bands that you've worked with from the early days to current, um, who is there a favorite? Have you got a, you know one band or one guy that was just always someone that you just loved working with? I, I I've been fortunate to have several I like a lot. I I like for the most part working with the Who. I dislike working with the managers who were garbage. Um, uh, the Who itself themselves are great. I'm still. Uh, Speaks to Pete from time to time. Uh, I like work. Well, I mean, I, I love working with the, the Kinks because Ray Davis kept writing great songs. He made life a lot easier. Um, I I, uh, I love the, the Pentangle. I really love because they were all superstars on their own and came together as a basically super folk group, and uh, uh, that was great fun to do. And uh, because they're all so good. Um, I mean, there, there's several bands I've worked with that I, I really like a lot. And in terms of current talent, is there anyone that, that you you like? If you're talking, you know, either they're not yet known or they're they're currently coming through the ranks. Who who are you into at the moment? Yeah, I've uh, I've actually just done a deal for a band here called the Rick Whitfield Band, and. Uh, they're going to be signed to a company I've been working with who licenses songs for TV and film. And um, he's brilliant. I think we're going to have a, a bunch of very, I know we're going to have a bunch of very good records. And I'd like to think some of them will be hit. Uh, we are still, unlike what is still happening but changing, we are doing music as opposed to what's currently in the charts, which for the most part is not what I'd call music. Yeah, I, I'd agree. <laughs> uh, uh, and, um, yeah, I, I, it, it, it started to change, uh, which I'm pleased about, finally. And um, uh, what I'll be doing with Rick is I think it's going to come out great. And um, there's, uh, I guess there's various other artists because of that that I'm also work, starting to work with. But I think... Um, will be in the same mode of actual music and uh, with really good songs. So uh, that's, that's what I've been working for for the last uh, few months. And I think we're, we're pretty much there. I'll be uh, embarking on doing that in the next uh, couple of three weeks. Well, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Well, Shall, look, thank you so much for your time. I, I appreciate you making the time to, to come and talk to me. Um, you know, to give up some time well, on your it was Saturday a pleasure. afternoon. I, I'm a it, uh, it, it's, been, it's fun to do because it's stuff I remember. I was there. I did it. And apparently it appeals to a whole lot of people who are uh, 
either of an age or want to know actually what happened back then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so one way or another, things gotten popular, which is nice. I'm pleased about that. Oh, it's great. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm interested to know your time. You, you started in the 60s when music, obviously rock and roll was beginning and it went from the very clean sound to a little bit of overdrive and the guitaring got heavier. Do you remember that point when all of a sudden the Marshall Stacks arrived and it was that big, booming, bottom-end rock sound was was turned up on the doorstep and, and that was then the, the, the trend? Do you remember that point? Yeah, I, I, I'm told it's one of the major changes is when I did, you really got me. So, wow, um, okay. That's, uh, that's, uh, it, it apparently established a whole bunch of stuff, including, because I always made loud records, so it was a loud record. And um, uh, the, the fact that it was, a lot of people credit it as the beginning of hard rock and all that kind of stuff. You know, whether that's true or not, I have no idea. But uh, that's certainly that. And of course, when I did My Generation, that's the other one that they say was responsible for changing the way stuff happened. So, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't say yes or no. If it, if that was the case, I'm, I'm happy to hear it. Yeah. If it's not, then it's you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, you're just so fortunate you were a part of it um, you, you, you know, from the beginning. Oh, yeah. You were no, so that's, across it so well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, what I wanted, it's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to do, you know, the best I could. And, um, I, I really enjoyed uh, breaking new ground and, and doing things that nobody else has done because uh, otherwise you're just basically, you know, following the leader and uh, I, it was never my intention to do that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. And have you ever been to Australia? I have never. I've had four or five trips scheduled, none of which ever happened. Oh. I'd love to get to Australia. I have some friends there. Um, and uh, no, it, it hasn't happened. And, and I'd like to think it still will at some point. Oh, well, if, if you ever do get here, make sure you let me know and we'll, we'll catch up for a coffee. Oh, or a dinner yeah, we'll or, do. Sure. Right, yeah, well, look, thanks thanks again so much. And hopefully we get to talk again and um, you enjoy the rest of your, your um, what is it, Saturday afternoon. Okay, great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. No, thank you. Thanks, Shell. I'll speak yeah. to you next time. Okay, great. Thanks. Uh, Bye-bye. I guess we do have to point out in today's hypersensitive world that that is Shell's story and version of events. Uh, obviously, Ted isn't around to defend himself or what had happened at that time, um, but it makes for a great, fascinating story either way. And let's hope that those little clips I used in the intro don't cause any copyright issues. Obviously, everything is owned by the respective owners and it was just being used for educational purposes with no copyright infringement intended. The Easy Beats were a perfect product of their time, but as I see it, unlike how the English never forgot the Beatles, the Rolling Stones or the Who, a lot of young Australians probably don't know who the Easy Beats are, and they really should. Thanks for listening to the show. They tell me I need you to leave a five-star review, otherwise the show just doesn't appear on other people's feeds. While I would love for you to do that, what I am going to ask you to do is if you know anyone that you think would enjoy the show, please do share it or tell them about it. You can also find past episodes and more information on bumpingintocomau And while we're asking for favours, 
if anyone does know how to get in contact with Harry Vander of the Easy Beats, please feel free to email me through the website bumpingintocom.au. That is a conversation that I would love to get down on tape with Harry about his time with the Easy Beats and the songwriting partnership with him and George that continued on afterwards. I think it'd be a great story. Anyone does have a point of contact, please feel free to jump on the website, send me an email, and I will follow that up. Thanks again, and I'll catch up with you on the next one.